You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Deuteronomy 6, um, this is a foundational text, by the way, for, all, for, for Judaism first. Um, this, this text is the first text that, um, that Jewish children learn and memorize. This is central to the Jewish prayer. And my understanding is they would pray this uh, in the morning and the evening. Uh, this text, particularly verses 4 through 9, are essential to the Jews and they were then, but also I just want you to think in Jesus Christ himself in Matthew 22, 37 through 39, quoted these verses. He said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And so if you think that, well, this really only applies to the Jews. Well, no, that's not accurate. This applies to us as well. And... Uh, and so I want to look at this because I think really what we get here is a look at true religion. Look at verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house, and on thy gates. Do you get the idea that God wanted the word of God to be prevalent in every home? He wanted it not just to be a surface level knowledge. He wanted it to be a heart knowledge of the word of God. And I, I preached out of this text a couple years ago. And some of the thoughts will be very similar to that. Um, and maybe familiar or maybe not. It was two, almost two years ago. But I, I want the application tonight. I'll focus a little bit different. I, and I think that tonight will be a, maybe a little bit of a simpler application. See the focus is this. Love God with all your heart. And really, I could just say, say that, and that should be enough to convict us, in that God wants our hearts to be involved in our Christian lives. And if you leave the, it out of the process, then you're, you're missing the heart of true religion. If you just go through the motions, and you don't love God with all your heart, you are missing the heart of true religion. And I don't want to miss the heart of true religion. Let's pray and ask God to help us tonight. Father... Thank you for this text. Thank you for just the opportunity to gather around it. I pray that you'd help us to receive it and help to be clear. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Just this week, I don't even know how, it, how I found it or how it came up, uh, but I, I saw a clip of a sermon preached uh, at a megachurch in, in our country, in the southeastern part of our country, this I mean, a mega church, huge church. And it's one of those churches that, that is all over the internet. They've got a huge social media presence. And, um, and so I was, I was watching, I mean, if you're interested, it's called Elevation Church. And maybe you've heard of it, but please don't look it up right now. Okay. Um, but the youth pastor of this mega church 
uh, got up to, to preach and, and you could tell from the, I mean, at first I thought it was, a, I mean, I really, just being honest, I thought it was a joke. And I thought it was somebody making fun of the way that, that churches are. And bear with me, I'm not trying to, to slam what other people are doing. I'm just giving you my perspective on it. But he was dressed uh, very, I mean, very casually. Um, he had a large cross earring um, in one ear and... And he got up and, and all those, you know, those things aside, you know, I, I, whatever somebody's standard is on that, I mean, I don't personally think that that represents the Lord very well, but whatever somebody else does, you know, that's between them and the Lord. But the part that really got me is he, he kept saying, and I'm the youth pastor, and this, so you know this message is going to be crazy. And then after a while, he, he started talking about how uh, the message that he was preaching reminded him of a song. And so the band that was still up there, they started playing this song. And the song uh, is apparently a well-known rap song. And, and so they started doing the first couple lines of the song. And, and he was making a connection between a phrase in the song. And he, he titled his sermon actually from a phrase in that song. And, and so it, it, it was just, it was obviously a secular song, a rap song. I mean, not a Christian song on any level. And, and he, uh, when he referenced it, though, so it got my interest up. And so I, I looked up the lyrics to this song uh, that they were playing in their service. They didn't play the whole thing. I, I mind you, they just played a couple lines of it. But as I looked it up, it, it, it was, uh, they were talking about money, of course. Seems like that's a lot of what uh, rap music is about. They were talking very explicitly about sex. Uh, referencing sex workers. Using derogatory terminology for females. Um, using a very as explicit bad language as you can imagine, or maybe you can't imagine, maybe you shouldn't imagine. And I was thinking that's the song that he chose to use to introduce the message that he was preaching in a church service. I mean, if you watch the rest of the services, there's a lot of secular style music and, and things like that, but it just made me scratch my head and, and made me wonder, is that what people now envision when they think of true religion. Because that's happening everywhere. And I know, listen, I know that our music doesn't, I mean, is more conservative than most places. And I'm not even talking about someone whose music um, it doesn't fit our mold. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about bringing a secular rap song into a worship service. And if somebody would look up the lyrics of that rap song... Um, there would be cursing and, and things that you shouldn't talk about at all on any level. And that's the song he used to introduce his sermon. And, and I'm not even talking about praise and worship or more contemporary style music. I'm talking about secular music in a church service. And it just made me wonder, is that what people think about when they think true religion? It's happening so much that that image of, of, of a concert with the blaring music uh, and and a, a trendy speaker. Sorry, you're not going to get that here. The trendy speaker part. Okay, our our preacher has a is wearing a sling and he still puts a suit on. Okay, you know uh, that's what if that's what people are thinking when they think true religion. I'm just thinking, how did we get here? 
You know, and in my spirit as I watched it, and I hope that you understand my spirit is not one of just strict judgment just for judgment's sake. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to, I, I try to give people an honest chance, and I really believe that every man should be fully persuaded in his own mind. I really do. Um, I'm just not going to go there. And, and so if, let him answer to the Lord for where he stands. That's not where I stand. I don't ever plan for Eastside, as long as I'm the pastor, to look like that. That's not what we're going for. And, and the reason is because, yes, maybe, in some, maybe on some level, music like that. Now, I don't believe that song would ever be appropriate in a church service. But there may be some that say that music like that or something along those lines would be, a, would, would be used in a church service. That's fine. I, but I don't believe that music like that is ever appropriate to worship the one true God. You know, I believe that Deuteronomy 6 can help us have a clear vision of true religion. And, and I want to just go through this, and, I, and I've been through much of this before, but I, I just want to remind you why we stand where we stand or why we do what we do, but also that there's, a, there's good individual application here as well that I think would be a help to you. That first, uh, true religion begins with the right affirmations. The right affirmations. And by that, I mean an affirmation is something that you know. It's something that you know to be true. And we know what is true about God because why? How do we know what's true about God? We have the Bible. We have God's word. That's how we know what's true. True religion begins with knowledge of the word of God. The affirmations we have about God are found in God's word. And so what does verse 4, for instance, reveal to be true about God? It says, Hear, O Israel... The Lord our God is one Lord. Now, the, the, word for, the Hebrew word for here is Shema, S-H-E-M-A. And it begins, the, the Shema here begins with the truth that Jehovah is their God and he's the only God. Jehovah is our Lord and he's the only Lord is the idea. Hear this, O Israel, there's one God, Jehovah, and he is ours. He's self-existent, he is creator, he is holy, he is unlike any other being in the universe, that's our God. You know, and, this, and that still applies to us. See, there is still one God, and through Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is Jehovah, through Jesus Christ, then he is ours. And it was important for Moses to declare who God was before the people. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our, our, the Lord our God is one Lord. Remember, these are Moses' words through the inspiration of God. Jehovah is the eternal, all-powerful, living God. And this isn't some made-up God off the street. This isn't something that somebody just came up with and said, well, I want to fashion a God like this. No, this is the one true God. And that's important because true religion begins with the right affirmations about God. What you know about God is the foundation for who you are as a child of God. It is foundational for your religion, for true religion. Our relationship with him can't begin until we know who he is. True religion, living in such a way that God is pleased, it begins with an understanding of God. And we ought to be passionate about learning all we can about God. We ought to be passionate about knowing God. I mean, we ought to be passionate about learning theology. And I know that's a word that scares people. Theology and doctrine aren't always popular. 
but if you think, well, I don't know what the importance of that is, let me just read a couple verses to you out of 2 Timothy, because we live in a 2 Timothy culture. It says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. And we live in that culture. We live in a culture that people don't want to hear straight truth. They don't want to hear doctrine. They want to hear things that make them feel good. Most people are looking for self-help. They're looking for help with the things they they need. They, They don't realize that a deeper knowledge of God through his word is the foundation of true religion. And I, and I truly, now listen, I'm not judging people's motives. I'm simply telling you that there is not a strong uh, stomach for doctrine anymore. People don't necessarily want to hear it. You know, I mean, I, I, just preaching through the Baptist Distinctives series, we, we had uh, some guests coming at different times through that series. And I can tell you, and I didn't tell a lot of people about this, but just preaching through the Baptist distinctives like, like I did on Wednesday nights this last year, um, we, we had people stop coming because of that. And, and I, I'm, I don't, I'm not saying that I did a great job at it, and I'm not saying that, that, it, that I didn't do something wrong, but I am saying that uh, what I was teaching was right out of the Bible. And it was offensive. And as we see God for who he is, our commitment to serve and worship him is elevated uh, because we realize he's not just some God among many. He's the one true God. And he is God and he's the only God. And as I wrap my mind around that, my desire to, to know him is elevated. And if he's the one true God, then... For, for me then to introduce a song into our services that was written as a rap lyric to make money in the world, even if it was cleaned up, I can't imagine bringing a song like that into the sanctuary to worship the one true God. He deserves a different, a different style than that. And, and I'm not saying they used it to worship but much of the music used in many of the churches today is used to worship, and it sounds just like what you hear on the radio. You know, the deeper our understanding of God, the greater our desire is to follow him. You know, the more you know, like the old uh, uh, the public service announcements, the more you know, maybe, if you, maybe you don't remember that. When I was a kid, it was on Saturday mornings. You know, the more we know, the more we want to know. And the hungrier we are, there's no end, by the way, to what you can learn about God. And the great, the, the great thing is, he's not like any other world leader. He's not like any other king. And that if you think about it, most people running for office, they want to hide their past. You know, they want, they, they've got if some, and I'm not saying they all do, but there are plenty of people that had aspirations to become something politically important. And they didn't make it because there were skeletons in their closets that came out. But, you know, so they're trying to sweep things under the rug. But we have a God who says, know me. You'll never find out anything about me that makes, that, that makes, makes me lose my credibility with you. The more that you understand about God, the more you love him and the more that you respect him. And, and there's not any skeletons in his closet. There's nothing that's going to come out someday that really disappoints you. No, to, God calls us to know him. He has nothing to hide and we'll never know enough about him that we f- maybe find something someday that disappoints us. God is our God. 
And he wants us to know him. And he wants us to know him personally. You can know God personally. True religion begins with right affirmations. And I'm going to call that over here. I'm going to say, this is what we know. Right affirmations. True religion begins with what we know. In other words, God doesn't call us to be ignorant about our religion. He says, no, this is what we know, and that's where it all starts. But it's not all that there is, what we know, right affirmations. No, true religion results, if we're going to come over here, the beginning of true religion is right affirmations. The end of true religion is the right actions, what we do. So it starts, our true religion, our walk with God, our relationship with Christ starts with what we know, but it ends up all the way over here with what we do. In other words, true religion always turns into something active. It always looks like something. The context of this passage is the law, God giving the law to Israel. The law was given to affect their actions. And the passage says, though, also it says, love the Lord. So there's a connection between love for God and his actions. And if you read the New Testament, you'll see that everywhere. Jesus Christ said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. In 1 John chapter 5, he says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. If you love God the way that you should, it will be evident in your actions. They will reflect God. But we have to be careful not to be confused about this matter. Right actions are the result of true religion, but right actions are not all there is about true religion. God is not just interested in your actions. Yes, what you do, what we do matters. What we know matters, what we do matters. Um, But I have to be careful not to assume that all it takes to please God is my actions. In other words, I, I ought to live right. And you ought to live right, sure. But I ought to live right because I have a relationship with God, not because I'm just going through the motions. I mean, so if, if I, getting an A, let's say getting an A on a test, and you say, well, I never really did, so I can't relate to this. Okay, getting a B on a test then. Yeah, Heath. <laughs> Amen. I was going to go lower for you, but, you know, you stopped there, so. Amen. <laughs> so getting an A on a test well getting an A is getting an A on a test important well I think it is uh, I, I always tried to get good grades so getting an A if it's important um, yes it's important but how I get an A on a test is also important I mean if I, if I work hard and study and it ends up getting, getting me an A on a test then I earned it. That's the right way to do it. But if getting an A on the test is all that matters, then it doesn't really matter if I cheat off the person next to me. So you see, it's, it's important that we do what we ought to do, but it's important that we get there the right way. So how does that connect to Deuteronomy? Well, true religion begins with the right affirmations about God, what I know about God, and true religion results in the right actions for God, what we do for God. But don't forget what Deuteronomy 6.5 says. Look at it. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. See, the essence of my relationship with God is my affection for God. The essence of my relationship with God is my affection for God. He says, love. Love the Lord thy God. And without, it's, it's true that the essence of any relationship is affection 
And, and without it, that's not a personal relationship. Think about this. If, you all, if all your relationships with other people were built on them feeling obligated to you to be your friend, even though they don't like you very much, how satisfying would that be for you? Well, it wouldn't be very satisfying at all. If all of my friends, if the only reason that I had any people that hung out with me was because they felt sorry for me, or they felt obligated to like me, or they felt twi- you know, manipulated into being my friend, how satisfying would that be, do you think, for me? Not very satisfying. Well, if it wouldn't be satisfying for us, then we should assume it wouldn't be satisfying for God either. Because you and I are made after God's image. And our, uh, the things that we feel and, and the things that we naturally um, come to many times are a reflection of God's image in us. And so I know that we're sinners too, but we also, in our nature, we reflect God. And if you wouldn't want friends that only hang out with you because they're obligated, then God doesn't want people to follow him simply because they feel obligated. You know, we can believe all the right things intellectually about God, and we can try to do all the right things that we want for God, but primary in importance to God is our affection for God. Jesus said in the New Testament that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God. God is not just looking for what we know, and he's not just looking for what we do. At the heart of our relationship with God is love. The heart of true Religion is love, love for God. True religion flows. So here, we have true religion begins with right affections of affirmations. True religion results in right actions, but true religion flows from the right affections. What we love. The word love means that true religion involves emotion. And, and again, I know, you know, sometimes... You know, we think, well, we're, we're Baptist and, you know, we let other people have emotion and that's fine. But, you know, no, emotion is perfectly natural. I would say that, emo- I mean, God wants followers who are engaged on an emotional level because he says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul and mind. So I, and I know he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. But God's intentions were not that his people just perform. He wants affection. He wants connection. And if keeping his commandments was all that mattered to God, then Jesus Christ owes the Pharisees an apology. Because he got onto them a lot for just performing. And he wants us to love him. He wants our affections. Listen, we ought to strongly love God. People that subscribe to this, to the philosophy that too much emotion is bad, I think they have it wrong because maybe they've been exposed to the wrong kinds of emotion. The greatest commandment and the foundation of true religion, friends, is love. And I know we're Baptists, but we have to come to terms with that. It's emotion. God wants followers whose lives are driven by love. We should have and convey emotion. But I do want to clarify one point. Not all emotions are created equal. You see, we should be engaged on an emotional level. But not all emotions are appropriate for a relationship with God. 
See, I've referenced this before, but Jonathan Edwards in the 1740s wrote a book on religious affections, and he differentiated between passions and affections. And basically his premise, and there was a movement at that time, uh, the, the premise was that, that passions are surface-level feelings, and that are their base responses to stimulus. For instance, like when you get embarrassed, when you get embarrassed, what happens? It's like, I pass out. Well, that's pretty extreme. Okay. What happens when you get embarrassed? Your face turns red. What else? Anything else? I throw up. I mean, whatever. Maybe some. Maybe some. No, you have, when you, when you get embarrassed, you blush. When you get embarrassed, you, you might start to, start to uh, perspire. It's a nice way to say it. You get sweaty. Uh, when you get nervous, what happens? You start to perspire. You get butterflies in your stomach, which I've never understood why they're called butterflies. But, I mean, yeah, if you get, nerv- if you get scared, what happens? Or if you get frightened, I mean, sometimes you, get, you ever get goosebumps, okay? Um, or the hair stands up on the back of your neck. And, well, if those that have hair on the back of our neck, wherever you've got, you know, if, you're, if you get angry, something happens. Some people, when they get angry, their face turns red. They get flushed. And, I mean, there are certain things that are base responses to stimulus. And I mean, if you, if you smell food, I remember, I mean, the worst, the worst year was my junior year in high school and I had a class right above the cafeteria and I had three block hours before lunch. So I had to wait a whole hour and a half for lunch and everyone else is down there enjoying the food and I had to wait a whole another hour and a half. Anybody, can anybody relate to how hungry you got during school? I mean, I would smell the food and I would hear the, the trays and I mean, school food, but I was so hungry. I would, I would just couldn't hardly concentrate in the class. That's just a base response to stimulus. And if I follow my passions, my, you know, th- that will eventually though lead me to sin. If I simply follow the base responses to stimulus, my physical appetites will cause me to be gluttonous my, uh, or experience uh, moral failure or, or get angry and lash out. Listen, uh, that, those are passions. Affections are different in, than passions in that they involve the mind. Affections are the result of truth. Affections are developed over time. Uh, affections are not immediate responses. They're, they're different than passions in that if our affections are correct, it means our minds are engaged and not just our bodies. And in instances when our passions try to control us, our affections can step in and protect us from what our passions are trying to get us to do. It's based on what we know. And when Deuteronomy 6, so that's the idea of Jonathan Edwards and some of those others in the 1740s. When, when, but when Deuteronomy 6 and Jesus Christ command us to love God, it was referring not to surface level love. It wasn't referring to just a response to stimulus. And our culture is so confused about what love is. I mean, is, aren't they confused? It's confusing. They don't understand. They, think, they seem to think that love is something you fall into or it's something that's a physical, physical action between two people. And there may be an emotion involved in that definition, but it's very surface level. It's not appropriate for God. But when, so when Jesus said in, in Matthew 22 and, and then here in Deuteronomy 6, when they were, we were commanded to love God, it was based on what we know about God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord. So here's, we're starting with what we know, and then he says, 
Love the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind. This, is, this begins with what we know and it transitions into what, uh, to love for him. The more uh, we know him, the more we realize that shallow responses, shallow passions are not worthy of the God that we serve. God deserves emotion on a deeper level because of who he is. That's why the Shema begins with, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And bear with me here. It's almost, I want to say this right, it's almost as if Moses is saying, think about who God is. Learn about him. Realize his power, his holiness, his majesty. Get to know him. He's your God. Now, respond with the proper affection. Not shallow emotions, not base responses, because he's worth more than that. He deserves deeper emotion than just passions. He deserves affection. Serve God with emotion. Enjoy God. Pursue God. Be passionate about God. But be sure that the emotions you reserve for God are worthy of what you know about God. He deserves a different type of emotion than you give your favorite sports team. He deserves to have affection on a different level than you give your pet or your car. He deserves emotion on a different level even than you give other people in your life. Why? Because he's God, the only God, your God, and he deserves love according to what you know of him. This isn't just about how much emotion we give God compared to other things. This is about what kind of emotion we give to God. God wants us to be in awe of him but not in awe the same way that we feel when we hold a new baby. You know, when, when Patrick and Marlena brought that baby uh, home or brought, brought her to church the first time, you know, you're just in awe, this little beautiful little baby. I'm in awe. But it's not the same kind of awe I should feel for God. Those are, those are different emotions. Uh, God wants us to have zeal for him, but not the same kind of zeal that we express for our favorite team when they score. And you say, because I hear people say that all the time. Well, you know, you yelled at the football game. You should be here in church getting that excited. Well, but it's a different, it should be a different emotion. I mean, when I respond to my favorite ball team scoring, if I was to say that's the same kind of emotion I have when I hear victory in Jesus, I would feel bad about that because those are two totally different things. God wants us to have, uh, he wants us to adore him. But it's not the same kind of adoration I might show to my wife. Feels different. Some emotions are appropriate sometimes. And some are, are never appropriate. And some are never appropriate to express our love to God. Not just in quantity, but in quality. So do we interact with God using surface level type emotions? Our interaction with God should never be based on how we feel. It should start with what we know. What you know affects how you feel and what you feel affects what you do in the end. But we should never just worship or love God based on how we feel. Because if that's the case, I'm just being transparent. I don't always come to church feeling like I want to worship. And you say, well, you're a pastor, and now my, my, my uh, respective view is all gone. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't, sure, surely you knew before this that I'm human. 
I mean, I've revealed that many times. I mean, I'm walking up here with a broken shoulder, okay? So I'm human. You know, I think we've all been there before. If, what, if, if my love for God is dependent on how I feel, there are some days that I wouldn't love him very much. And so my love for God has to be dependent on something deeper than what I feel. It has to be dependent on what I know. So does your relationship with God depend on how you feel? Does your love for God only go to a surface level or is it built on deep-rooted affection based on what you know? You've got what you know, you've got what you love, and you've got what you do. Is it based on truth and what you know or is it based on just emotion? How deep does your affection for him really go? On a larger scale, this is where many churches have gone wrong. And uh, it's easier to manufacture, honestly, it's easier to manufacture surface level passions than it is to develop knowledge rooted affection. Meaning, because affection takes more time, it, it takes a deeper knowledge, it takes, honestly, it takes discipleship, it, it, it takes effort. And, I, and I'm telling you, as a church, I mean, we could. We could restructure some things that we do, and I really believe we could draw a bigger crowd. And, and I mean, part of me thinks, well, that'd be great to have more. But if I'm bringing them in based on surface-level passions, then I have to keep them with surface-level passions. And what I'm doing is setting the trend that the depth of discipleship here at Eastside isn't really all that much. We, if we're going to bring them in with, with depth, then we, we need to just be who we are right up front. Amen. We won't keep them any other way. So churches, though, decide to, decide to skip the, part, the hard part and go straight to the surface level passions, maybe to build a crowd. And so they change the, sh- the songs from more doctrinally based to maybe more shallow or surface level. And the, the songs that, I mean, honestly, should be honest, we've We've been there, and I mean, I know a, a, quite a bit about contemporary Christian, modern Christian music, and the songs that sound like a love song for a, for a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And, and I'm not saying all of those are, are just, we just throw all of those out, but I'm telling you, if you can't tell if it's a love song or a worship song, I wonder how appropriate that is for the worship of the one true God. The dimmed lights, I'm not saying all these things are wrong. I mean, we... We might do something. I don't think we're going to dim the lights anytime soon, but I'm most because I don't want to fall down the steps. But or they, maybe they switch to louder music to get the crowd rocking. We, I remember going to, a, to a, a, an event there in Stillwater for the Oklahoma State University, and there was another church there, and they were on a, on a stage next to us. And, you know, we're giving out cups, and they're playing Michael Jackson songs. We could not compete with that. I mean, I tried to moonwalk cups to people, but they didn't, they didn't really care. You know, they say, well, hey, so, so they, 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 you know, rock songs and they provide more energy and they, or they ditch the hymnals and they invest in more lighting. And again, I'm, I'm not saying that all those things are just, I mean, if they're not in the Bible, I can't say right or wrong. I'm just saying, maybe the better question is not right or wrong. Maybe the better question is appropriate or not. Because if fog and lights and, and, and those kinds of things have been appropriate for rock concerts for 30 years, 
then who am I to say, well, bringing it into church is appropriate for the one true God we worship? You know, and they say, well, hey, at least people are responding. And maybe, but are they responding on a level that God deserves? See, they're responding to stimuli, but where's the truth? And that mindset gives license to offer inappropriate emotion to God who deserves something deeper than that. And that's why we're careful not to just get rid of the depth in our hymns because the most appropriate affections for God are born out of what we know about God. And my contention with a lot of the modern songs is not that they're wrong in and of themselves, but they skip this part. And rather than just give depth and doctrine and truth, it's just all about the emotional expression and the song, and, and there are times when those kinds of songs, I mean, I, I can sing those to the Lord and they mean something, but it should only come after I've read my Bible. And I've, and I've spent time with him because if they're established on something without knowledge, it's just empty emotion. You know, that's why we're careful not to just get rid of the hymns and change everything. And, you know, there's a lot of truth to be found in the lyrics of the songs that we sing. And it's, it's compared to what maybe a lot of the modern music is. And it gets a response. But not all emotion is appropriate. Emotion not based on truth is surface level. So be careful. Though, because we can be just as guilty. Because if we only respond to the songs that really have the sound we like, then we're doing the same thing. You know, a few weeks ago when, when uh, the, the ladies sang, um, that's my child. You know, and I, I, just, I just wanted to run around the room. I was excited. And I was, I mean, I was responding to truth though. Because the truth of that song is that, you know, that, I mean, Satan accuses all of us. But when Jesus steps in on our behalf, Satan has nothing left to say. And this morning, a similar thought, when Aaron was singing, I stand redeemed. You know, when I think of um, all my faults and my failures, and I consider all the times I've let God down, I am humbled by the grace He has extended. I'm amazed at the mercy I have found. I could never earn God's love on my own. But but when I come before his throne, I stand redeemed by the blood of the lamb. I stand redeemed before the great I am. When he looks at me, he sees the nail-scarred hands that bought my liberty. I stand redeemed. And And there were some excited people this morning. But it wasn't excitement based on shallow stimulus. It was excitement based on the fact that God has literally changed how he views us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's a miracle. And we ought to be careful, though, because I think we in our conservatism can, can be guilty of the same things if there's a song that has a key change. You ever notice that? When there's a key change, 
And everyone says, amen. And, and I do it too. But I want to be careful because responding to a key change is responding to stimuli that's not necessarily truth. It's just exciting. I mean, I like key changes. Um, but I like them in songs that say something. <laughs> we ought to be careful, though. On the, other hand, on the other hand, if we say that we're conservative and we have all the right music and we have all the right songs and we say, well, we're doing things the right way, um, but when we come in on Sunday mornings, we're as dead as a doornail. Right. Even with the right music and the right truth, then we are missing it too because we're not responding to the truth with emotion, which we're supposed to. He says, when there's truth, uh, hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord. Love the Lord. When you hear truth about God, you should respond on a level like that. But sometimes I think we're guilty of it on the other side. We're so used to truth. And we're so used to the depth of some of the songs and the, the hymns and things that when, I mean, if you sang victory in Jesus and you never once thought today about how that victory applies to your life, then maybe we're just as guilty on the other side. I mean, I'd almost rather have a church that responds to stimulus that's a little bit shallower than a church that never responds to truth. I mean, I, I would, I mean, Jesus Christ said it wasn't about the hot or the cold. What did he say? Who would be judged the worst? It was the, the lukewarm ones. And so let's not get too proud of our conservatism um, if we're not responding to truth the way that we ought to, because there should be emotion. Don't be guilty of subjecting your worship in, our, in this setting to surface level passions, but we're not exempt just because we stick with the old paths. So if you want to have true religion, there, there should be three things involved. There should be what you know, and there should be what you do. But those two things should be connected with what you love. And you can, you can have all the knowledge in the world and be as active as you want to be. But if your heart is not engaged and you're not motivated by love, it does not please God. And I believe in a church that like this one, we have a lot of people that know a lot. You know the Bible. You've been around it your whole life. You know a lot. I really believe to a lesser degree, but I think we have quite a few people that do a lot. Now, I would love to see there to be a better balance between those that know a lot and those that do a lot. Because I think those two things should be basically equal. But I do think that the fact that Jesus Christ had to say in Matthew and remind us that we should love the Lord, I do think that maybe in a church like ours that's established and we've been doing things well for a while, we have a lot of people that know, we have people that do, I just wonder if where we're going to fall apart is not in what we know and not in what we do, but in how much we love. How engaged we are on a heart level. Meaning, we know about God, we do a lot for God, but we tend to not be motivated out of a love for God. And we better be careful. Because the Pharisees weren't motivated out of love for God. They were motivated, I'm telling you, they had lots of knowledge. 
I mean, most, most of those Pharisees, they memorized the first five books of the Bible. And they did a lot. As a matter of fact, they added to the law in the hundreds of laws. They did that much more. But what was missing in the Pharisees was the love, the heart. God doesn't want robots. He wants love. God, he doesn't want routines. He wants relationships. And he doesn't want obligation. He wants connection. So have affection toward God. Don't be scared of emotion. And I mean, I would say this. We need more. Uh, we, we could use more. But not emotion based on stimuli. Emotion based on truth. See, show him affection. Love is the central task of a disciple. Show him affection. But do it based on what you know. And not just on stimulus. Here's some closing questions. How does your affection for God compare to your passion for other things? I mean, is Jesus Christ the reason you get out of bed in the morning? Is that how much you love him? That everything you do is motivated by your love for God. Because when he says love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and that mind might that doesn't leave anything out. That means everything you do every day should be motivated by your love for Christ. I know that's not always possible. I know that's not easy. But that should be what we strive for. Is your love for God the the reason that you serve in your ministry? And we have people here that have been teaching for years. We have people in here that have been doing things, the same things for years and years and years. And I know how it can be. It can just kind of become routine, right? But that doesn't exempt us from the commandment, love the Lord your God. Is, is, is it the reason, is love the reason you sing the hymns? I was singing Victory in Jesus right down here. And I was singing, I was trying to sing with Jace, sing the alto part with Jace, because that's in his range. A little bit out of my range, but right in the meat of his range. And I was, I was trying to think, okay, you know, I want to say, how do I sing this because I love the Lord? Well, my motivation would be I have victory because Christ died for me. That's enough for me to love him. I don't want to do that flippantly or without thinking. Let me ask, do you give because you love? Uh, is it, is, are these the reasons? Is love the reason? If you know over here the affirmations and you do the actions over here but you don't love the affections then you're simply going through the motions and you're missing the part that matters the most to God love and maybe you've lost sight of the kind of emotion that God deserves and for you your excitement about religion is pretty surface level meaning if there's stimulus you're excited meaning if the message is exciting then you stay engaged or if the song sounds good, then you're excited. Or, you know, if people are friendly, then you're friendly back. And your reason for true religion is very surface level. But if it's not like that, if, if it's not exciting, you know, and it's about Baptist distinctives again on Wednesday. And, and there's not a lot going on. There's not a lot of energy. And you come in and you're like, mm, meh. You know, be careful of subjecting your religion to base level emotions. The point tonight is, have you lost the heart of true religion? 
Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Is that how much you love God? Is that how you serve God? Have you lost the first love? That's the heart of true religion. And I, I go back to that megachurch video. See, the truth is, I, I was pretty hard on him. But as a conservative, fundamental Baptist, I may be just as guilty as him on the other side. If he's missed the heart of true religion by using the wrong emotions, then I can be just as guilty of missing the heart of true religion if I have no emotions. See, the truth is, both have missed the mark of true religion. And I'm not sure that someday when we both, maybe me and him stand together, we're one right after the other, and yeah, he didn't get everything right, but he, was, but he loved God. And I get up there, and I'm conservative, fundamental Baptist pastor, and I get judged pretty hard because, yeah, I had knowledge, and yeah, I did a lot, but my love wasn't nearly as, as hot for God as that guy on the YouTube video. Let's be careful that we're balanced in this. I can be just as guilty of missing the heart of true religion if I have no emotion than somebody who has the wrong emotion. Both have missed the mark. And I want to encourage you today, as a conservative church, we need balance. We need these kind of messages every once in a while to balance us and just say, let's not be guilty of losing the heart of true religion. Let's stand together. Every head bowed. Every eye closed, I want to encourage you to take a moment to respond here during the invitation. This was convicting for me as I prepared it because I think I've been doing this long enough. There are plenty of times where going through the motions is easier than having it be real. And there are times where losing the heart for true religion probably describes all of us. And I want to encourage you tonight, if you're there... Would you just make that right and say, God, would you help me not just to have the right affirmations, what I know, not just to do the right actions, what I do, but to have the right affections, and that is how much I love, what kind of love. Tonight, if the Lord's spoken to you about this, would you respond? As, as I'll pray, and Brother Nate will sing the invitation, and as, he, as we do, the invitation will be open. Father, thank you for the truth. I know it's a simple truth, but there's so much here that is basic about our Christian lives. Lord, I want to be a disciple that loves you, not just knows and does, but loves on the right level. I pray that you'd help me tonight, all of us tonight, to be aware of where we may have missed the mark. And maybe for some, it's what we know. We haven't spent time learning. Maybe for others, it's what we're not doing and we need to do more. But I think for the majority in here, it might be what we lack in our love for you. Help that to motivate every decision we make as a disciple. Lord, have your will and way. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.